This is the 5110 Podcast, and I'm your host, Travis Stockton. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Thanks for joining me for another episode. Uh, Today, I figured we'd talk a little bit about Sabbath, uh, a little bit about communion. I have a few uh, free resources that I think are worth uh, looking into if you are looking for something to do during this time. We all obviously have a lot of time on our hands, but before I get to that, I figured I'd jump into our uh, topic of choice for the day. Um, My family and I are enjoying our Sabbath. Um, We're I'm not sure if we classify as Sabbatarians or not, but um, we developed a practice over the past year or two of trying to use Sunday as a day of rest and uh, honoring God. We uh, we view it from everything we do, everything that um, happens on Sabbath is viewed through uh, a two-tier lens. Is it restful and is it God-honoring? Uh, when we talk about is it restful, we are contemplating is it something we consider to be work or is it something we enjoy and delight in? And then in, as far as it being God-honoring, we ask the question, does it bring us closer to Christ? Does it help us in our walk with him? Does it create opportunities for us to point people to him? Um, those are the kinds of questions we ask ourselves as we consider the things that we're doing on Sabbath. So we don't allow ourselves to watch a lot of um Netflix or Hulu or whatever it may be that involves a lot of shows that kind of draw our attention away from Christ or from rest. We tell our kids that video games are pretty much off limits unless it's something that can uh, develop a skill or help us to learn something that is helpful throughout the week or that improves our, our situation um, at work, at school, anything like that. So Sundays are kind of a day that we spend a lot of time just talking and just resting. So after joining in on a social distancing worship service online, the topic came up about communion. Our local congregation that we attend right now is encouraging everyone to partake of communion on a weekly basis at home. We uh, read an article after worship service from Sovereign Grace uh, ministries uh, that encouraged people to abstain from the Lord's Supper while we're distanced from the local congregations in anticipation of joining together again and partaking of the Lord's Supper at that point. And so the article, I, I can include a link to that in the description of the podcast, but the article came at it from the perspective of uh, communion is a communal event. It's something that's done in 1 Corinthians 11 as uh, the congregation came together, uh, that factions were causing problems within the Lord's Supper in the in the Corinthian church, um, and that the proper practice is done in community as a local congregation. And that during this time of separation, during you know social distancing efforts, that this should be a time of stepping back, of anticipation, of allowing ourselves to abstain so that the anticipation is all the sweeter. And so we discussed this 
contrast of abstain or partake weekly. And we challenged ourselves to ask questions. But before I get into the questions that we asked ourselves, I think it's important to kind of give you some background as to where we're coming from. So probably a couple of years ago, my wife and I read a book called Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. It's one I referenced in a lot, the last episode. The book was free at the time, and, and so we recommended people go read it. It's a good book. I think Francis Chan, since he wrote the book, um, has been accused of some things, some challenging things that make me hesitant to fully embrace everything he says. But um it was a good book. I think it was a good challenge that the church needs. But as we read it, we we prayed for a while about starting a house church. We're convinced that smaller groups that um, are the context in which community flourishes, that we find people growing um, closer to Christ as a result of that concentrated core community. And so we really wanted to try to see if we could find that smaller community in a house church where there's a more consistent and concerted effort in trying to be the church day in and day out. As we prayed about this, as we read through the book, we began to bounce the idea off of some of the people that were closest to us. Uh, we eventually got to a point where even after talking with them, we felt it was something that we could try to pursue. So we approached our pastor and asked his thoughts on it. We asked our small group leader and asked his thoughts on it. And after it was all said and done, we found no real reason why we shouldn't pursue it. And so we did. We, we pursued a house church for a year. We found that for the first few months, we were very intentional about the way we practiced our faith. And that carried through the whole time. But we uh, we failed to be intentional about outreach as well as we should have. We failed to foster the relationships that we needed to foster to stay connected to other believers, and we began to become isolated. And we had been warned by our pastor, by our small group leader, uh, that we shouldn't be separated for too long a period without that community. Now, I was already concerned about this from a counseling perspective. I knew that any length of time without that accountability or that relationship with that community, we would begin to deviate a little bit. And so we set a time length of a year of trying to start a house church. And if we didn't develop a strong community during that time, that we would then return to a local congregation and most likely the congregation that we were already a part of, as long as we felt like that's where God wanted us. So we did it for a year. We grew in our faith. We became more intentional about the way we led ourselves as a family uh, to the word and to a more consistent devotional time as a family, as well as individual um, time. But we, um, we definitely needed that community. So after a year, uh, we came back to the local congregation that we had been a part of because we loved the church. We loved the people there. Um, we just attempted to try to do something on a deeper level that we thought may have been a, uh, a better way of developing that community and obviously failed. Um, so we rejoined the local congregation that we had been a part of. 
Uh, we're not official members at this point because there's a membership class that we need to go through. We um, support the, the people there and we have a strong love and passion for the people there. But um, as we process this question of communion, we had a lot of questions that we needed to deal with, such as, um, you know, what does abusing the Lord's Supper look like? And we obviously see in 1 Corinthians 11 that factions were abusing the Lord's Supper, and that was creating a problem. Uh, so we asked, what does it look like to abuse the Lord's Supper? And then what does it look like if we are trying to um, have the right mindset about the Lord's Supper? Would we be guilty of becoming a faction within the local church body if we refused to take it weekly as we were being encouraged? Or uh, would we be abusing the Lord's Supper if we took it super casually every week? And so we were trying to struggle between those two dichotomies of casual versus um, respecting the Lord's Supper. We asked what the proper context of partaking of the Lord's Supper is and what the best mindset is to have when separated from the rest of the body during these times and taking the Lord's Supper. And so we really wrestled with all of this. And we finally came to the conclusion that uh, the Lord's Supper is meant to be a communal event. It's uh, the very first time it was taken. It was taken by um, the 12 disciples and Jesus. And then after Jesus' death, it's practiced in community. Uh, the whole congregation would come together and practice it. And it was meant to be something that the whole community enjoyed. The factions that developed in 1 Corinthians seemed to create this atmosphere of separation between the different factions that one group was better than the other, and that was the context of Paul addressing the factions and that they were doing it wrong and that they should be using it as an opportunity to depict the unity of the body and uh, that there were no real differences within the body, that they were all one body. And so we came to the conclusion that since it's meant to be a unifying event, that it's meant to be something that's done as a whole congregation, that there's something inherently good about being together as you practice this, that we would attempt to try to wait until the body comes together again to practice communion, unless there's a call for it in some way, shape, or form that made sense. Um, and that we would use this as a time of anticipation of rejoining the local congregation and enjoying communion together with them. As we wrestled with all of that, we then were a little challenged by our attempt to start a house church. The congregation that we were a part of at the time, we really didn't have a whole lot of theological differences. There was nothing inherent in the, the church's theology that made us question whether or not it was uh, a church that honored God, that uh, preached the true, one and true gospel. Um, and so there was no real solid reason for us to, to distance ourselves from that in, other, in anything other than we were going to attempt to try to start a smaller community so that we could develop and foster a deeper relationship. And we realized that that spoke uh, somewhat of division um, within the church, that it um, 
kind of spoke to this faction mindset that Paul addresses that you know there there shouldn't be this kind of division within the church and we realize that there's a certain level of a sense of belonging to the church that an individual should have a, a unity within the church that pulls individuals back into the body um, and thankfully we were challenged by our small group leader uh, to stick with the church, that what we were doing was not necessarily the most biblical approach to church. And we just had a hard time understanding the context of this argument within the context of the church is meant to be united, there aren't meant to be factions, and that what we were doing was somewhat developing a faction within the church of this is the way church should be done. And so we were prioritizing our own personal preferences on how church should be done in an effort to um, create the community that we wanted to develop what we wanted in a church rather than being satisfied with where God had planted us. We don't think it's wrong to want to start a house church to have a congregation come behind some people who are ready to replicate or to multiply. Uh, we did want to help disciple, to help foster relationships, to bring people to Christ, that kind of stuff that is good. But we also recognize and realize that there was sin in our hearts that also was part of our motivation that we needed to repent of. The church is meant to be a place of commitment and community, and while we had somewhat of a an acknowledgement that what we were doing wasn't necessarily unbiblical, and you know the people who were talking to us were checking our hearts and challenging us in ways, we we still are looking back at some of the selfishness that was inherent in what we were doing. Uh, with this being a podcast all about creating a clean heart and renewing a right spirit, we we have to acknowledge that there's sin in just about everything that we do, and so we're acknowledging that um, and are grateful that you know our sins are forgiven as we seek to repent of them. I did mention at the beginning that there were some resources I'd like to point you to. If you are familiar with Logos, Logos is a Bible software program that allows you to do a massive amount of research in a small amount of time. They offer um, free resources on a monthly basis, but also in special occasions such as what we're going through right now. They're currently offering a free ebook by John Piper uh, regarding uh, COVID and our current circumstances. They're offering it in an ebook and an audiobook format. So if you download their free platform, you can get these resources for free. And there's also usually a, a number of other resources you can get that are beneficial and helpful. I recommend both the software platform as well as the ebook, the audiobook, and they are currently offering four other quality resources at discounted prices. These resources um, are from well known authors, and uh, the four or five books total will amount to less than about 11 bucks. So, definitely some quality reading there. Uh, as well as Amazon right now has a book called Fear and Faith, Finding the Peace Your Heart Craves by Trillia J. Newbell. Uh, she's uh, an accomplished author, and it's a book that definitely speaks to this time that a lot of people are wrestling with fear. If um, 
you have problems finding these resources, I'm going to try to include the links to these resources and the description of the podcast. But until next time, grace and peace.